Hello, and welcome to Five at Eight. I'm Mark Overman, and joining me today is Linda Carlisle. It's Friday, June 9th, 2023, and we have some great stories for you. In this episode, we'll talk about Julian Assange losing his latest legal appeal against extradition to the U.S., Delhi's dangerous levels of pollution, Ukrainian forces launching a counteroffensive against Russian positions, Meta's new AI-focused tools, and global firefighters arriving in Quebec to help put out more than 130 forest fires. Story number one. Julian Assange has lost his latest legal appeal against extradition to the U.S., leaving him dangerously close to being extradited, according to his family and legal observers. Assange's lawyers have said they will appeal again to the same court. The U.S. government has charged Assange with publishing classified military and diplomatic documents, and he could face up to 175 years in prison if convicted. Assange's legal team has argued that the extradition request is politically motivated and that he is being prosecuted for protected speech. His family has called on the Australian government to do more to secure his release. The Guardian reports that Assange has lost his latest legal appeal. Man, Julian Assange's situation is getting more intense by the day. He's now dangerously close to being extradited to the U.S. after losing his latest legal appeal. It's hard not to feel for the guy, but at the same time, it's a complex issue, you know? Absolutely, Mark. This case has far-reaching implications for journalism and press freedom worldwide. While it's important to hold governments accountable for their actions, we must also consider the potential consequences of publishing classified information, especially when it comes to national security. Right. It's like walking a tightrope, isn't it? On one hand, we've got the need for transparency and holding power to account, but on the other, there's the risk of putting people's lives in danger or compromising security. It's a tough call, no doubt. Indeed. And it's not just about Assange himself— but also about the responsibilities of governments like Australia and the UK in protecting their citizens and upholding journalistic rights. It's a delicate balance between ensuring the safety of their people and defending the principles of free speech and press freedom. Oh, absolutely. And let's not forget the historical context here. We've seen whistleblowers like Chelsea Manning, who leaked the documents to WikiLeaks, face severe consequences for their actions. It's a tricky situation, and the public's perception of these cases can vary wildly. That's true, Mark. The consequences for whistleblowers can be life-altering, and it's essential to weigh the potential benefits of exposing wrongdoing against the personal costs. In the case of Julian Assange, his potential extradition to the U.S. and the possibility of a lengthy prison sentence raise serious concerns about the future of journalism and the protection of those who dare to speak truth to power. Story number two. According to the BBC, Delhi, the capital city of India, experiences dangerous levels of pollution every winter due to a combination of factors including crop burning, firecrackers during Diwali festival, and roadside fires. The pollution levels can reach nearly five times what the World Health Organization considers safe, with pollution equivalent to smoking packs of cigarettes a day. The poor who reside in slums and daily wage workers are condemned to breathe the foul air. The city routinely tops the list of world's most polluted capitals, and exposure to such high levels of pollution increases the risk of infections and can damage vital organs. Experts say cleaning up the air requires drastic measures, but they are not a priority for the country's leaders. Man, this news about Delhi's air pollution is just insane. I mean, it's like smoking packs of cigarettes a day just by breathing that air. 
Can you imagine the health impact this must be having on people? Absolutely, Mark. It's really concerning. The air pollution levels in Delhi are nearly five times higher than what the World Health Organization considers safe. People living there are experiencing stuffy noses, burning eyes, and even respiratory issues that require hospitalization. Geez, that's rough. And I read that it's especially bad during the winter months with crop burning and firecrackers from Diwali celebrations adding to the pollution. What can be done to, you know, tackle this issue? Well, it's a complex problem that requires a multifaceted approach. Governments and communities need to work together to address the sources of pollution, such as crop burning and vehicle emissions. Investing in cleaner technologies and promoting public transportation can help reduce air pollution. Additionally, raising awareness about the issue and encouraging people to adopt eco-friendly practices can also make a difference. Yeah, I get that. But, uh, it seems like the authorities are not doing enough. I mean, there are some emergency measures like banning diesel trucks and closing schools, but it's just like putting a bandage on a gunshot wound, right? You're right, Mark. While these emergency measures can provide temporary relief, they're not enough to address the root causes of the problem. Cleaning up the air requires drastic measures and strong political will. Governments need to make it a priority and invest in long-term solutions to protect the health and well-being of their citizens. I couldn't agree more, Linda. It's time for some real action, not just band-aids. Let's hope that governments and communities worldwide can learn from Delhi's situation and work together to combat this growing issue. We all deserve to breathe clean air, don't we? Absolutely, Mark. Clean air is a basic human right, and it's crucial for our health and well-being. Let's hope that the global community can come together to find innovative and sustainable solutions to improve air quality and protect our planet for future generations. Story number three. According to The Guardian, Ukrainian forces have launched a counteroffensive against Russian positions in the south, with tanks and armored vehicles backed by artillery being used. Heavy fighting has been reported outside the town of Tokmak, a key Russian logistical hub, and in the Donetsk region. Although Ukrainian officials have not confirmed the start of the counteroffensive, U.S.-based think tank, the Institute for the Study of War, has concluded that it has begun. The fighting is focused on the village of Robotnia, the Orehiv-Tokmak Highway and outside Orehiv itself. Man, this situation in Ukraine is really heating up, huh? Ukrainian forces are launching a counteroffensive against Russian positions south of Zaporizhia. It's like a high-stakes chess game out there. Yes, it certainly is. The Ukrainian forces are making a strategic push, with the aim of potentially cutting off the Russian land bridge linking the occupied south and east with Crimea. It's a bold move that could have significant consequences for both sides. Yeah, I've heard that they're using some heavy-duty Western-supplied tanks and armored vehicles in this assault. How much of an impact do you think that's having on the ground? Well, the use of Western-supplied equipment like Leopard and Challenger 2 tanks as well as Bradley and Martyr infantry fighting vehicles, could provide a significant advantage for the Ukrainian forces. These advanced vehicles may help them break through the Russian defensive lines more effectively. However, it's still too early to determine the full impact of this equipment on the outcome of the counteroffensive. Got it. So, if Ukraine manages to break through and achieve their objectives, what do you think the broader implications would be for the region and international security? If Ukraine is successful in this counteroffensive, it could potentially alter the balance of power in the region. It would demonstrate Ukraine's ability to push back against Russian aggression 
and might encourage other nations to take a stronger stance against Russia's actions. However, it could also escalate tensions further and potentially draw in external actors, such as Western countries, into a more direct confrontation with Russia. It's a delicate situation that needs to be handled with great care. Absolutely, it's a real tightrope walk. And you know, it kind of reminds me of those historical counteroffensives during World War II. Do you see any parallels there? There are certainly some parallels, in terms of the strategic objectives and the high stakes involved. However, the context and the actors involved are quite different, so it's important not to draw too many direct comparisons. What's clear, though, is that this conflict has the potential to shape the future of the region and international relations for years to come. Story number four. According to The Guardian, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, announced new AI-focused tools at an internal company meeting on Thursday. These tools include ChatGPT-like chatbots for Messenger and WhatsApp, a new Instagram feature that can modify user photos via text prompts, and a productivity assistant for employees called MetaMate. The company has been reorganizing its AI divisions and spending heavily to catch up with its rivals, as its competitors have garnered investor attention. Despite the new focus on AI, Meta will not be abandoning its plans for the metaverse. Man, Meta's really trying to catch up in the AI game, huh? They showcased those new AI tools at their company meeting, like ChatGPT-like chatbots for Messenger and WhatsApp. I gotta say, I'm excited to see how these chatbots with different personas will change the way we communicate. Yes, it's fascinating to see how quickly AI technology is advancing, and the competition among major tech companies like Meta, Google, Microsoft, and Snapchat is certainly driving innovation. However, we must also consider the potential consequences of this race, particularly in the areas of misinformation, hate speech, privacy, and data security. Absolutely, Linda. And you know, with Meta's plan to build many of these tools around open-source models, it opens up the possibility for users to create their own AI-powered chatbots and tech. While that's cool and all, critics are worried that it might lead to spreading misinformation and hate speech on a larger scale. Indeed, Mark. The ethical considerations of providing open-source AI models are complex. On one hand, it can democratize access to AI technology, but on the other hand, it can also lead to misuse. It's crucial that we have policies and protocols in place to ensure responsible usage of these tools. For sure, Linda. I mean, we've seen how tech races in the past, like the space race, have had huge impacts on the global landscape. So, as we venture into this new era of AI competition, we've got to make sure we're not, uh, rushing into something that might be harmful to society in the long run, right? Exactly, Mark. As technology continues to advance at breakneck speed, it's essential that we remain vigilant and consider the broader implications of these developments. By fostering an open dialogue and encouraging ethical considerations, we can help to ensure that the benefits of AI technology are realized while minimizing potential risks. Story number five. Global firefighters are arriving in Quebec to help put out the more than 130 forest fires currently burning in the region, as reported by the BBC. Around 110 firefighters from France were scheduled to arrive in Quebec on Thursday and some additional help has already arrived from the nearby province of New Brunswick. Quebec's firefighting resources have been drained by the growing flames. Without the extra hands, Quebec's local firefighting capabilities would only be able to handle around 25 to 35 large forest fires at any given time. It is already Quebec's worst fire season, 
with more than 280,000 hectares, 691,900 acres of land burning as of Thursday. Man, these wildfires in Canada are just out of control, huh? Over 280,000 hectares of land burning, and it's already the worst fire season in Quebec's history. It's insane! Yes, it's truly devastating. The situation has become so dire that firefighters from around the world are arriving to help combat the fires. It's a clear reminder of the importance of international cooperation in times of crisis like this. Absolutely. And it's not just Canada, right? We've seen wildfires causing havoc in other parts of the world, too. Do you think climate change is playing a big role in all of this? It's very likely. Climate change has been linked to an increase in the frequency and intensity of wildfires. Warmer temperatures, drier conditions, and more frequent lightning strikes create an environment where fires can spread more easily and become harder to control. That's pretty scary. With all these wildfires happening, do you think it's time for countries to consider establishing national or even global firefighting agencies? It's definitely an idea worth exploring. As we've seen with the current wildfires in Canada, resources can quickly become strained when multiple fires occur simultaneously. A national or global firefighting agency could help coordinate efforts, share resources, and develop innovative solutions to prevent or mitigate the damage caused by fires. Yeah, I can see how that would make a huge difference. It's just, I don't know, it's so frustrating to see these disasters happening and knowing that we need to do something about it. You know what I mean? I completely understand, Mark. It can feel overwhelming. But it's important to remember that we can all do our part to help prevent and mitigate the effects of wildfires. This includes supporting policies that address climate change, promoting sustainable practices, and raising awareness about the risks and challenges posed by wildfires. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by Artificial Intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.